Welcome to the Off Street Podcast featuring Adam Reiner and Sean Dan. Off Street contains general information that is not suitable for everyone and contains certain forward-looking statements of future possibilities that due to known and unknown risks and other uncertainties and factors may differ materially from actual results. As such, there is no guarantee that any views and opinions expressed herein will come to pass. Off Street is presented for informational purposes and nothing contained herein should be construed as a solicitation to buy or sell any security or as an offer to provide investment, tax, or legal advice. Additionally, this communication contains information derived from third-party sources. Although we believe these sources to be reliable, we make no representations as to their accuracy or completeness. Adam and Sean are employees of Marshall Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. For additional information about the firm, including its services and fees, send for the firm's disclosure brochure or visit advisorinfo.sec.gov. All right, Sean, it is Wednesday, September 20th, 3.30 in the afternoon. We have a guest. Yes, very special episode. I'd like to welcome our very own Matt McGraw to the podcast. Matt. Hi, guys. Thank, thanks for having me. Want to tell the people a little bit about yourself, about your background? Yeah. So, uh, Matt McGraw, I'm a wealth advisor here at Marshall Financial. I've been here for about 18 months. I focus more on planning, whereas Adam and Sean focus more on investments. So, um, <clears throat> I work with our clients to help develop strategies to reach different financial goals, help them navigate different employer or career uh, situations, uh, help a lot with taxes, and offer a a well-rounded suite of consultative services. So yeah, Matt is also very well-versed in how to save, best ways to save, best practices. And so we invited Matt on today to do a Savings 101 podcast. Yeah, savings have been in the news a lot recently. During COVID, there was a large spike in savings. Since then, it's kind of drifted below the post 2008 to COVID trend. So savings have dipped back down. Seems to be a renewed interest in savings. So we'll just try to to break it down a little bit today. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm excited to be here. So first off, I get a lot of my financial advice from financial TikTok. Oh no, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) What What are your thoughts if someone comes in, especially someone who's younger, maybe they don't have a ton of experience investing, but you see on social media, it's become so popular recently, that financial gurus. What, what would you say to someone who's a new investor who sees that, kind of how to, how to navigate that, what, what may be pitfalls to stay away from? I think there's a, a lot of good stuff out there on social media, but there's certainly a lot of bad stuff as well. Uh, when I see certain posts that say, hey, if you save $200 a month starting when you're 25, I assume an average rate of return of 7%, you'll have a million or $2 million by the time you're 60 or 65 at retirement age. And all that math checks out. But I think the the biggest challenge for people to actually get there is establishing the habits and the discipline to actually put that money away and put it away in a, an appropriate vehicle. So like savings rate is probably more important than finding the magic investment from someone on on social media. Well, tying it back to last week's episode, probably not doing investing in zero day options with your savings. (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, That would be something uh, to stay away of or a lot higher risk um, type of security. How would you explain to someone starting out the difference between investing and savings? The the difference between the two would be saving is money that you earn that you just aren't spending on 
regular day necessities or discretionary spending like entertainment. Um, and it would be what's left over after you get the paycheck. Uh, in, investing is is more of a long game is, is how I look at it and we look at it. Um, it's something that you could you could kind of categorize it as a spending bucket, but it's bucketing for future spending. Maybe not something that you'll need in the short term for emergencies, something that you can tie up for a little bit longer and take risk on. Right. And when you go to kind of make that budget, you say you lay out, okay, these are my needs. These are my wants. I have X amount of dollars left over. How do you go about saying I want to put this much money towards saving and I want to put this much money towards investing? So one of the the good articles that that we saw in the Wall Street Journal outlines what's called the the 50-30-20 rule. The way to look at this is that you bucket 50% of your income into necessities. Uh, that would be your your home, rent, or a mortgage, food, but food at home, uh, like insurances, um, other things that are required to get by on a, on a daily basis. Um, the next bucket would be bucketing 30% of your income to what would be called wants. This is going to sporting events or going out to eat, um, things like hobbies, things to do at home, uh, maybe even subscriptions and whatnot can fall into that category. And then bucketing 20% of your total income towards savings. Um, And when you look at your paycheck, you're not looking at your gross pay. You're actually going to look at what you get after taxes. So taxes are kind of already bucketed. And in that article for the savings, they, I think they included investing in there. It was retirement savings. Yes, yes. Not out, just even things outside of an emergency fund. Right. So that 20% bucket, maybe 10% of that's going to a 401k or a like account, whereas another 10% is going into like a short-term cash needs. Maybe you're planning to buy a car. <clears throat> maybe it's just going into a little bit of an emergency fund. And then once that gets a little bit bigger, you can make a decision to invest that for a longer term goal. Can you kind of customize that for yourself? Is that just a good starting point? Because you think maybe a young parent who's got childcare expenses versus a retiree whose kids are out of the house, they have plenty of income, that 50% towards needs, I would think flexes for, for different people depending on your lifestyle. It's definitely going to be tailored to your unique circumstance. I think that's a really good uh, starting point. The article even mentions uh, another strategy where it's uh, like a 70-20-10. In that example, um, 70% is just your overall spending. So that's uh, both necessities as well as uh, wants um, or discretionary spending. Uh, And then 20% is going towards your savings. And then the last 10% is kind of do what you please with it. Maybe it goes towards wants one month. Uh, maybe it goes towards savings or it even mentioned uh, that could be like charitable donations or or something to that effect. My biggest takeaway from this article was no matter which budgeting plan you use, the most important thing is to have a plan, one that you think you can stick to. Whether, Most definitely. Yeah, like, um, it's kind of that, that golden rule of finance. Just make sure you save more than you spend, which I know we're talking about it at a very basic level here. But there are are often instances where you can have a be a very high earner who's just very poor at saving and not really accumulate wealth. And someone who may earn less that's very good at savings and can accumulate wealth. So 
we're making it sound very elementary, but it's a very important concept within personal finance. Yeah. And I, like what I've seen is it's hard to break a habit. So you're either getting into a habit of being a very good saver and being disciplined to whatever percentages you break down for yourself, um, or you're kind of nonchalant and just go, you're not really paying too much close attention to it, or you got in these certain certain habits when you were younger and they just haven't been broken. And every time you try, you just can't stick to it. So like creating good habits or breaking bad habits and being disciplined is a really important aspect of being successful and creating a, a savings plan. Which is a, a good, good segue there. So whether you're someone that's in peak earning years, starting to be able to save more, someone just starting out, are there any best practices that you would recommend or have for someone on yeah. how to start out budgeting? So I was talking to Nick, who was uh, on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then I was talking to one of my friends earlier this week. And one of the biggest things we've kind of come to realize is uh, a lot of people don't know what their fixed expenses are. Um, I asked my friend this uh, over the weekend, and he laughed and he said, no, I have no idea what my fixed ex- expenses are. Would you mind, what is a fixed expense? So a fixed expense is anything that is recurring monthly and you would consider a necessity. So um, like my mortgage. Yeah. So some other best practices I've mentioned being disciplined and picking a strategy and sticking with it. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's really hard for a lot of people to do. Um, you can say you want to do this, but if you look back a month later, did you actually do it? Um, kind of make yourself accountable, whether that's on your own or ask a, a partner. It's like, it's like working out. Like it's easy to, like, it's not hard. It's like going for a run, going for a jog is not hard. It's like that activation energy to get you there is the hard part, right? Like it's just it's just discipline. Sometimes yeah, I can, it takes a lot of momentum to get going, uh, yeah, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, it's like uh, I have the time to go to the gym, but do I want to get in the car and, and get yeah. myself over there or yeah. or not? It, it's really a mental game is a lot of being su- uh, successful and a, a really strong saver. And going back to these things we see on social media – like, yeah, that's all great, and I would love to do that, but it's really hard to put that in practice if you're not disciplined and honest with yourself. One of the bullet points you had written down was make it automatic like a 401k, set it up through payroll and direct deposit. Sometimes you'll hear like recent college grads or people starting their first job, there's some reluctance to put money aside because they need the income for, for day-to-day expenses. There's some some fear there about the lower take-home pay. One of the other articles that had come out was also in the Wall Street Journal, and it was the secret to savings for retirement, start before you're 20. And it basically boils down to the power of compounding. You just want to touch on that at all? I'll, just, I'll first talk a little bit about making it automatic. So I think making it automatic is great. Uh, it's like if you have a 401k, you contribute to the 401k, and then the net amount goes into your bank account. And that's what you look at and say, oh, I have this much to spend. Uh, If you can do the same thing for other savings, uh, I can be really helpful towards creating those good practices uh, and staying disciplined. And as you mentioned, Adam, it really boils down to the power of compounding. There's a a rule called the Rule of 72. uh, And essentially what the Rule of 72 is, is you divide the number 72 by your average annual return to determine how many years until your money will double. For example, uh, 
if you assume an average rate of return of 8%, uh, 72 divided by 8 equals 9. So your money would double every nine years. Uh, if you have a $10,000 investment that doubles every nine years for 40 years, um, you'll see 10 double to 20, 20 to 40, 40 to 80. And that's really what the power of compounding is and why being able to save at such a young age proves to be so beneficial. I mean, the, the longer you give yourself to save, the more powerful that outcome becomes. And again, the rule of 72, it's, it's not exact, especially as you get towards like bigger returns or longer timeframes. But um, I think, Adam, you had some numbers examples of from that article of if you start saving before you're 20 you you can save a little bit up front and have pretty dramatic savings by the time you're in your 60s yeah so in this article they had talked about a 14 year old who was doing summer work and he was putting the money away in a roth ira and just assuming he worked when he was 13 and 14 earned 10,000 over those two summers put that away never touched it again so retirement so about a 51 year time horizon Assuming you earn ten percent, which would aggressive return there, but <laughs> made the math easy and never contributed anything again. By the time he was sixty-five, it would be about one point two nine million. And on the flip side, if someone waited until they were thirty to begin saving, it would grow to about two hundred and eighty thousand. Pretty significant for a sixteen-year difference in in timing there. It's only a, almost a million dollars. Yeah, just about a million. And that's the same amount of money just waiting. 15 or 16 years, which shows you like w- what that compounding can do. So like you said, it takes the discipline, but especially if you're someone young listening to this, like it can be somewhat helpful to think about, okay, $100 today, if I put that away, may seem pretty insignificant now, but by the time I retire, it could be, could be a pretty nice sum of money. Oh, yeah. So Matt, something we've also seen recently is a lot of hype around, talked about bucketing needs, like figuring out what that needs bucket is, just bucketing all your expenses has been become very popular. So you have a emergency bucket, you have a vacation bucket, retirement. What's your view on kind of that outlook? Because it does help contextualize a little bit better if, okay, I'm not just saving this money and it goes away and maybe I never see it again. It's okay. I take this money and I get to spend this on a vacation in 10 years. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts on bucketing? I think it... it for me, I think it's really helpful. It, of course, depends on the person, but being able to car, uh, compartmentalize what certain money is for can help you, one, save towards that, and then be on the back end, actually decide this is what I'm going to spend it on. Because if you build up a whole chunk of cash, it can be overwhelming for what you want to do with it, and, and that can lead to poor decisions or overspending in one area. When when you're working with clients and they have money segregated from the rest of the portfolio, maybe they have a vacation goal and they want to spend set aside X for vacations. Do you, can you see the benefit of having those funds separate from the rest of the portfolio when there's times of volatility I, and they still feel okay um, incurring those expenses that they know the money set aside, they know it's for a specific goal? Oh, certainly. Uh, putting them into different buckets, it's a, it's a behavioral thing. Uh, if, if you see your full account value decrease by 15 or 20 percent, you're not going to feel like you can go on a vacation or, or make a withdrawal. 
But if you have that in a separate account and you know that's specifically for vacation, you wouldn't feel as bad taking out the money even though it is down a little bit. Uh, maybe you, you don't go on that international vacation and maybe you stick domestically, but behaviorally you still feel confident in in using that money for what it's intended for, even in times of market volatility. I'm glad you touched on the behavioral side of it. Um, there's oftentimes articles that, that come out that'll say, you know, if you, if you don't buy coffee out, um, you can dramatically improve your savings standpoint. Like aside from doing that um, and letting people small, enjoy these small indulgences that make life somewhat more enjoy, enjoyable, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've seen when it comes to saving? Well, if I if I I was told if I get Starbucks more than twice a week, I won't be able to retire. Is that true? I don't know. I guess it depends. Are you ordering a Grande or a Trenta? <laughs> uh, it's funny you bring that up uh, because that's something that I see on social media a lot is uh, cutting back on these small expenses like going out for coffee every day or, hey, I have five subscriptions. Let's back it down to three or four. Uh, in reality, these these smaller expenses don't add up to much on a monthly basis. Uh, and bra- backing those out, the, the higher likelihood is that that money is just going to be spent on something else um, discretionary. And a challenge that I see is, is people reduce or completely eliminate those expenses, um, but they don't see their savings increase. A better way to look at it is, Going back to the first article we touched on, the, the 50% of fixed expenses, uh, if you don't know what your fixed expenses are, it may be 60%, and maybe you actually are paying a little more than you can afford for your home or your car. And those are items that, if you are able to reduce the cost, are going to propel your ability to save much more probably one of my biggest pet peeves when i see those see those types of tiktoks or on twitter is like maybe let's look at the you know thousand dollar car payment (laughs) is a little bit too much rather than like the five dollar coffee that i get like twice a week right it's just you got to look at the big expenses if you want to make a big impact to some extent now obviously like you can't go crazy eating out for every meal and stuff but yeah and sometimes it's easier it's, it's easier for some than others maybe you can't get a better deal depending on where you're living for a home or for rent or your car is what you rely on to get yourself to work every day and you already went an affordable option. So I can recognize in some situations that cutting out these small expenses can't help. But if you're really looking to create these good habits and and propel your savings, uh, it's important to find take a fine-tooth comb to your actual expenses and see where you can make the most out of adding savings it just seems like balance is such an important thing here you don't want to be so stringent that you don't enjoy life but you also want to plan for the future at the same time so with with that in mind there's some budgeting apps out there without getting into the names of some of the apps can you just talk through the different types that exist I, I would classify them into three categories. Uh, 
like one, a bucketing type of budgeting, a two, an organizing, and then three, a reporting. Uh, the difference there is the, the bucketing, more like emergency vacations, retirement than percentage of your income. Um, <clears throat> these ones I see a, require a lot of manual effort. Uh, for example, you may say, hey, I have $1,000 this month to spend on food, and then every expense towards food co- reduces the amount in that bucket, uh, and then you can go uh, for that over all your expenses, um, whether it's gas, um, rent, things at home, for example. Um, a- another challenge, the challenge there is that it takes a lot of manual effort to keep up with that or make sure all the accounts are linked, um, <clears throat> but it is more related to emer- like budgeting for emergencies vacations or fun money and retirement. Then we have the organization apps, which these can be better to, to help you get started. These are apps that will look at your bank statement and see what you're spending uh, in different categories each month or even identifying what monthly subscriptions you have to help you clean up your budget and, and become more aware. Uh, and then finally is is the reporting uh, which is similar to organizing. It essentially just provides you a report of what you're spending each month. And you had touched on something there um, with the account linking. And I think it's just important for people to be mindful of what apps they're using and what financial information they're sharing with those third parties. Most definitely. It's also kind of funny that uh, a lot of these apps have subscriptions themselves. <laughs> you pay a subscription to help find what else you're paying for subscriptions hey matt do you want to stick around and do some on correlated with us yeah i heard uh i heard my middle school german education might come in handy today <laughs> yes that, that's what i hear as well so for story one here it is oktoberfest in germany which usually begins with the traditional cry of Ozaft is. Which means it's Taft in German. <laughs> it is marks the beginning of the 18-day f- festival. Um, city of Munich, their Department of Labor and Economic Development, estimates that Oktoberfest in the city brings in about 1.25 billion euros annually, and the city gets 6.3 million visitors. There was a story uh, from the Associated Press that showed people lined up waiting to get in to day one of Oktoberfest. One of those like epic pictures that if it was made into a mural, they will like study it a thousand years from now. People in leader hosen (laughs) sprinting down an open street. It is a picture you can hear and (laughs) probably smell a little as well. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a great picture, but I think the, the best quote from the whole article was from the Bavarian governor, Marcus Soder. He said, this is a great one. I can only say one thing. This is the most beautiful, biggest, most important festival in the world. That's a man who loves his beer. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful thing. I think you're going to uh, an Oktoberfest this weekend, aren't you, Yes, Sean? a local. Or you would have gone to an Oktoberfest this past weekend by the time this airs. Yeah, a local a local Oktoberfest. I think it, it'll be a much smaller scale. Uh, I might be going to the same one as you, Sean. There you go. All right. <laughs> so it's... It's reaching the U.S. Was this a bucket list? Like, would you ever go to Munich for? So I, I would. I don't think I would go out of my way to. If you just happen to be in Munich that I, week, <laughs> I, 
I, I had the I studied abroad in uh, the Czech Republic, and they do a like a sister festival called Springfest uh, in the springtime, and a few of my friends went, and they said it was a good time. Judging by this picture, Sean, I think I'm I'm 15 years too late for, <laughs> it for Oktoberfest. Like, like it's just a thousand frat bros just rolling in, ready ready to rip. It does. It does look like that. <laughs> the one liter uh, mug this year will cost between thirteen dollars and forty five cents to fifteen dollars and ninety cents, up six percent from last year, and probably still cheaper than a beer at Citizens Bank Park. It pr- it is because at first I was like that's a little steep, but I guess in liters when we convert that to American, that's 30, 32, 30, 32 ounces, ounces. I think so yeah, it's, it's a it's a it's a value beer. It's a bigger beer. Oh, they come in the big yeah, those those big, big glasses. glass jugs yeah. or mugs. Well, have fun at your Oktoberfests. <laughs> <laughs> the second story comes from NPR. And again, we're we're knocking out of the park here with the visuals that people can't see. Yes. <laughs> but there is a uh, there was a cascade of red wine or that flooded city streets in Portugal after tanks ruptured and it looks like a flash flood. Yes. <laughs> Five hundred eighty one thousand gallons. It was surplus red wine that was through the government's crisis distillation program that they aimed to remove a glut of wine from the market pipeline before this year's harvest. And I I guess they achieved their goal. Probably not the way yeah, they wanted this, to. Yeah, I wonder if this is an inside job. It's a quick way to <laughs> to get rid of their their excess wine. The company the company did say in a statement that they were going to bear the costs of the cleanup. I think there was some concern that some of the farms nearby could have could have been damaged from the alcohol. But there was there was a video that showed it, and it was it was moving. It's pretty miraculous. It says no one got hurt, and only one cellar was flooded, which is I don't know how that's possible. How that's yeah. I was wondering if flood insurance would cover wine. It's a great question. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a question for me. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know. Pure, pure speculation here. But in the last month's CPI report, wine away from home rose 6%, 5.9% year over year. But wine at home, for those looking to budget and save, only increased 1% year over year. So there you go. Great way to save. Start drinking your wine at home. I would agree. I, yeah, that's that is something that would make a. Imp, it's an impactful way to save. <laughs> you can cut that. <laughs> are you are you a red wine or a white wine guy? I'm a red wine uh, person. I've tried white wine. It's not doesn't do it for me. Uh, I will say that I do like my red wine a little bit chilled. Okay. Oh, all right. White wine's nice in the summer. It's gets more refreshing. I think it would matter. I'm just, you know, it just doesn't. I'll drink a white sangria. White sangria? Right. That's nice. But the wine that um, flooded this town in Portugal, it was red wine. So yes. there was, there was, there was probably also some staining that came along with it. Yes. <laughs> so there we go. Story for the beer lovers. Story for the wine lovers. But I think this, all... is, this was an alcohol-themed uh, uncorrelated. Yes. We, we love to stick with the themes in those uncorreleds. Yes. Very much alcohol themed, but I'd like to thank Matt. If you have any questions for Matt about savings or other planning topics that you're wondering about, feel free to email us again at wealthiq at marshallfinancial.com or reach out to us on Twitter at offstreetpod, um, and we will redirect those to Matt. So, Matt, thank you for coming on. Thanks and for having thanks me. Thanks for joining us, Matt. By the time you hear the next episode, 
next week we hope to have some some guests on from the the conference that we're at right now in in phoenix yes some more very special guests lined up so stay tuned for that all right until next week until next week Thank you.